the mahuhun de sable. Anybody ever heard that? That's French. I just hashed it, but mahuhun de sable. Anybody ever heard of this? This is an insane race that happens every year in April in Morocco in the huge desert. Some of you familiar with this now? Happens every April. 160 miles, a grueling six-day foot race. And people do this every year. 100-plus weather going up and down like dunes. How many have tried to run on the beach? It's a pretty easy thing, you know. Pretty hard to go up and down. And there's no water anywhere. they got to pack everything in. And for six grueling days... These crazy people, sorry, go to the desert and do this crazy endurance race. Most of them don't finish. But there are a few, and in fact, there's one French guy that's won like three years, something like that. Crazy. Endurance, you have to have super endurance. And I don't even know, you know, what the doctors would say about like going to the desert and running you know, I don't like to run at all. In fact, there was one time I accidentally ran more than five miles. It was horrible. <laughs> I, uh, I think I was on a trip. I was, at a, I was on a college singing group. We were in the middle of rural Oregon, and, uh, and I wanted to, you know, do a little jog, you know, kind of keep the, the, the six-pack going. Never had a six-pack, but that's what I was thinking. So I was, I'm going to go. We've, we've been in the van a lot. I, I need a little exercise. So I, I got running, and I lost. I got lost. And this was in the 90s, some of you before they had cell phones. So I couldn't just GPS my way back. I didn't even know where we were staying. We were staying with people. You know, these back roads, I didn't know where I was. So 11 miles later, I find, and I must have been on going on an adrenaline because it was getting dark. Again, I didn't have a phone. I didn't know where I was. They were probably trying to find me. In fact, they were. There was a couple vehicles out trying to find me. And 11, 11 hours later, I got back. And I tell you what, I was sore for several days after that. And, uh, and I will never forget that that run. You know, I, again, it was it's like your body just goes into this adrenaline mode sometimes, and you don't feel it until you're done. Have you ever, ever had experience like that where you know your body was running on f- full adrenaline, and then when you're done, you just feel like wiped out because the chemicals are all going crazy, and you're just like, I'm going to solve this thing. They say even adrenaline can help people lift like crazy things. You know, when there's a, an accident or something, they have these testimonies of people that lift cars or whatever, all on adrenaline. It's, that kind of power is, is crazy, but I guess, you know, people do these endurance races for fun now. So those crazy weirdos, we want to keep those out. One, one guy right here running for fun. I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> but you think about endurance. You know, our physical bodies, you know, have, have limits, you know, but we can push our bodies. And they do that with, you know, any kind of weightlifting or training or cardio, all these different ways that, you know, people have exercises now. You can push your body. In fact, they say pushing your body, you know, kind of beyond its limits is, helps it kind of stretch and grow. And actually, you, you build more muscle. You have to kind of go through this endurance and pushing your body like that. But I, I think about endurance with, with most of our just daily lives. And I think we're kind of allergic to suffering and endurance and patience. I don't know what it is in our culture now, but we won't wait for anything. If we have to wait, no, I can't. You know, they say that like, you know, your attention span, like if, if a, like a web page doesn't load up within a certain amount of like seconds, you're done. You're like, I can't wait for this. 
You know, back in the day, we had these things called dial-up modems. And to load a page, you start it, and then you have to go get coffee, and like 10 minutes later, you come back and the page is, is up, especially if you had a, like a couple photos. You know, forget that. You could come back in an hour. But we don't do that anymore. We don't like to wait for anything. We don't want to struggle. You know, it's like we're, we're averse to struggle and difficulty, and we'd rather avoid it. You know, and sometimes, you know, maybe that makes sense, but sometimes God wants to do something in our lives, and it takes some endurance. It takes some putting ourselves to the test. And I think for most of us, we know that that's good for us, but it's hard because we don't want to do it because it sounds difficult. But today, the writer of Hebrews, if you have a Bible, start finding the chapter 10. We're going we're to finish up chapter 10. And the writer's going to give us a pretty stern warning and a call to endurance. And so we're going to be talking about this idea of enduring and, and putting, putting up with those tests, even, even when we're struggling, to kind of keep putting faith as a priority in our lives. Even when we don't have all the answers, uh, we're going to be we're challenged to stay with it, stay with the course. Up to this point, you know, the writer of Hebrews, is, if you've been following along, the writer of Hebrews has been focusing on, you know, the Old Testament rituals and high priests and all the, all the sacrifices and all that. Remember how Jesus is better than all of that. So now we kind of turn a corner in our study. And now the writer's going to, it's kind of getting to the so what moments. Now we've learned, okay, Jesus is better than all that. So now how do we live? And so the writer's going to kind of turn directions here. And in fact, next week, we're even going to talk about the Hall of Fame of Faith in chapter 11. If you've never seen this in Hebrews, it's amazing and challenging. But the writer here is going to get that started, kind of get the prime, the pump with this call of endurance. Because of all Jesus has done, now we're freed to step up and to take action and to have confidence in our convictions and to do great things for the kingdom. So let's pray, and then we'll get into episode nine this morning. Father, we come before you, and we thank you because you're good, you're powerful, you're full of mercy. And uh, Lord, we know that uh, we, we don't deserve all your love and, and, and all that you've done for us, but we thank you that you've done that for us. You offer a new way, a new hope by faith in Jesus. And Lord, that's why we gather today, to lift up his name, hear from your word, challenge each one of us as we hear this. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so if you were here last weekend, uh, David was preaching, and he talked a lot about assurance, that actually in Christ we have assurance. He kind of did a, a contrast between insurance, something that might happen, and assurance, things that we know, we're confident are going to happen. And we have the assurance by Christ of salvation and new life. And so that's what we talked about last week. And so because we're so loved and forgiven, we can have the encouragement to, to encourage one another, stir one another up, to love and good deeds, that we have a, a mission of love to accomplish because of all Jesus has already done. Are you with me? So let's pick up where we left off last week, chapter 10. And uh, we're going to start with, I think, verse 26. And I want you to listen carefully. Remember, whenever we hear these warnings or we hear things that are difficult, I, I want you to lean in and not lean back and, and kind of cover it over, put it under the rug. These are warnings that are for us. So, verse 26, for if we go on sinning, deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there remains no longer a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think 
will be deserved by the one who has spurned the Son of God and profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But recall the former days. After you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those who are so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your own property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith. If he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Well, what... uh, What stands out to you in that? Did some of that feel uncomfortable? Now remember, these warnings, and there are about five big warnings. that We've not gotten to all of them, but this is probably big warning number three. And it echoes what we already studied in chapter six. And remember, we were contrasting the idea of going it on your own or going it with the law, neither of which will do it for you. The only thing that is going to save us is Jesus and what he did for us. And so to reject Jesus is to say, I'm walking away, I don't need it. I can handle this on my own. And you are stepping outside of what Jesus has done for you. And that's not the place we want to be. So the writer has already warned us about that. And uh, so now we get a reminder that we, we need to not be shrinking back. We need to have endurance of faith because Jesus is good and he's worth it. And nothing we can do is going to be able to, to do better than what Jesus did. Jesus is not only the, the, the better way, as, as David said last week, he's the only way. And that's sure, I, I get it, that brings up some questions. You know, what about you know, followers of Christ that you know, kind of were in the fold and in the church and then they just kind of walk away? Is this what this is talking about? We had those same questions in chapter 6. Basically, I think what, what, what we're hearing is we've got a great thing in Christ. Why would we ever shrink back? Why would we ever go to any old way of religion or any old way of some insufficient sacrifices? Why would we ever do that when we have so great a salvation through Christ? And the writer's trying to say, why would we turn our backs on that? It makes, it makes no sense. Why would we decide to base our goodness on ourselves instead of Christ? So we have this warning. The good news of forgiveness in the gospel through faith in Christ is the way to go. But, but the writer's talking about why would, why would anybody, like these folks here, why would they want to say no thank you to all Jesus has done? Why would, why would they want to do that? Because then they're saying, this sacrifice isn't good enough for me. I want to do it on my own. And so once you step away from that sacrifice, there is no sacrifice left for you. You're basically going to say, I'm going to stand in judgment on my own goodness. And so why would we ever do that? So the writer's asking us to be enduring in faith. 
I like, uh, I like what one commentator said about, about this situation. And he said, you know, this idea of if we go on sinning deliberately after we have knowledge of the truth, this isn't a sin that we just stumble into. If you've been following Jesus for a while, you might be kind of uncomfortable right now. But it's not one of those sins that we just stumble into. It's not the normal falterings of a Christian still learning to walk the way of the Spirit. That's not what we're talking about here. This is a scenario that has been well termed the leukemia of non-commitment. The leukemia of non-commitment. You heard about the good stuff. You maybe had a taste of it. You kind of like the fellowship of the church, but you're not going to go all in. You're just fringing it. You're on the spectrum, but you're not going to dive in. You say, I don't really want everything that this implies. I'll, I'll take some of the, the, the side benefits of it, but you've not really dived in. This is one of those situations. And I don't want to explain it away. I mean, there's a situation here where it can be kind of uncomfortable. We are called to endure, that we have a responsibility to hold on by faith. And, and that's, I'm not going to back away from that. In fact, you know, look at what it says, this fury of fire. You know, it's kind of a scary thing to fall in the hands of a living God. But I will tell you this. God is way more loving and more kind and more generous than any of us can possibly imagine. And remember, like we said when we studied chapter 6, things may seem impossible with man, but with God, what? All things are possible. So even if there's people in your life, or even maybe you are at that point where you've kind of walked away, you, you know the, the, the truth, but you kind of walked away, you're placing yourself in a dangerous spot, but God can do the impossible. And so even those people you're praying for in your life, I've been praying for several people for years that I've known. I keep praying and praying, and I believe God can do a miracle, that by faith God can draw, draw all people to himself. And so that's what I hold on to. Nothing is impossible with God. So that's what... The writer is telling us here once again are another warning. And so lean into this. In fact, this week, just I encourage you to read this again. Read it in context like we've been trying to do. And here, why would we ever walk away from the perfect sacrifice? Why would we try to take that burden of being good on our own? We can't do that. Why would we ever turn our backs from that? And remember that anything is possible by faith and God can do the impossible. What else stands out in this passage? Anything else kind of catch your eye? You know, when we're reading scripture, it's good to kind of like let these things kind of hit us and go, okay, that, that's interesting. I want to return to that. The writer kind of asks the readers to go back in time a bit. The writer's like, hey, remember, remember when you first, you know, heard about Jesus? Remember when you first heard that forgiveness of all your sins is possible? Remember when you first discovered the power of Jesus? And when you first discover it, remember how you were, you were just, you know, so excited that you'd visit people in prison. And that you, you, were, you were even worried when, when you were standing up for faith and maybe some of your property was even, you know, in jeopardy. And you were being persecuted. Remember, that was, that was not okay with you, but you were willing to endure that because you were so excited about your faith. I don't know when many of you decided, maybe you were still thinking about it, but maybe some of you can think back to that moment where you realized Jesus did that for me, that I'm a sinful person, but Jesus did that. Do, and even remember that moment 
I can remember that moment for me. I was at, I think I was at a Christian festival that my mom drugged me to. It was called Jesus Northwest back in the day. I think it was in the late 80s. And I was just kind of hemming and hawing. I didn't really think the church thing was for me. And I just remember, I think it was Josh McDowell. That shows you how old I am. Josh McDowell stood up and he was just talking about the evidence that demands a verdict. And he got to the point where he said, here's this, all this evidence. We have all these eyewitness accounts. And it comes down to, is Jesus the Lord? Is he a liar? He's a lunatic. I think he copied C.S. Lewis there. But I, I realized I had to make a decision at that moment. And I remember thinking, Jesus actually loves me right now. I don't have to clean up my act. And I was a pretty not good teenager for a while. And that God was going to forgive me in the midst of my mess. And I'd never really thought of that before. And man, I came back from that thing. I got baptized in the Yamhill River in Sheridan. And uh, it was kind of a never look back moment. But I remember that when I was first, when I first decided to follow Jesus, I wanted to tell everybody. And people were probably super annoyed with me. I started a Bible study in the high school. It had never been done before. Half the people that came to it were from the Mormon church, uh, which made conversations interesting. I really didn't know much about the Mormon faith at age 15 or whatever it was. Uh, they seemed to know a lot about the Old Testament. I'll tell you that much. And uh, I remember that zeal that I had. I was just so excited because I wanted to tell everybody that Jesus loves you in your, in your mess and wants to step in there and have a relationship with you. And we'll work on the sin stuff. But you can be forgiven there. I just didn't get it before. That's the heart of the gospel. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And the writer's saying, remember that moment where you realize that. Remember that moment where you recognize, wow, I can be forgiven. I can have a relationship with God even though I'm a sinful person. He took care of all that. Remember that moment because those are the moments we look back to and we say, I can endure I can, I can endure suffering. I can endure hardship. The writer says, remember that. Remember that. You see, I think sometimes, you know, people decide to follow Jesus. And then, you know, as they kind of go down the road, they start to have problems and struggles. And, they, and they, 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 we start thinking, well, you know, I thought it was, this was going to be easy. I thought, yeah, I'm forgiven. So it's going to be an easy thing. And many of us that have been following Jesus for a while, we realize sometimes it gets kind of harder in some moments that we're holding on by faith, that there's a sense of endurance that's required. I love what uh, 15th century you know, uh, writer Thomas Kempis said. He said that many love Jesus as long as adversities don't happen. You know, when it gets hard, the writer's saying, remember those moments, this first time you met Jesus, and let that spur you on to love and good deeds, encourage one another, endure, hold fast, be confident. That's what we're called to do. Here's a reality check. And this is true here, and it's been true the, the whole time we've been studying this book. The reality check is this. Some people will hear about what Jesus did. Some people will hear the gospel, and they just don't want it. And now for some of us, you're like, why would you do that? And the writer's saying, why would they do that? I don't know. But you've known people in your life. I've known people in my life that like hear it clearly. It's not like they haven't been told. And they're like, I don't want, I don't want that. I don't want all it implies. You know, it's like, what's that song that came out years ago? And, you know, would you believe if God you know, came and 
stood right in front of you. Because if God existed, then everything's changed for you. If God is really in control, then you got some thinking to do. (laughs) The writer's telling us, hey, some will walk away. They will decide, I don't want that sacrifice. I don't want that one. I've got it all. I got it covered. Some will make that decision. Some of us in our lives, we've seen that. The writer's asking us to also recognize, and this is hard in our culture, we have to leave room for the justice of God. There is judgment. And I don't think we need to, to, to back away from that. In Christ, when we stand before that judgment seat, and we're all going to face it, I'm going to plead that. And I hope you plead that too. I think you will. I plead the cross. I plead the blood of Christ. That's what's going to cover me, not all the good stuff I've done. And I don't want to walk away from that sacrifice because that's the perfect sacrifice. I don't want to be flippant about God's mighty strength. I don't want to be unaware or disrespectful that he is God. Right? It's like we've lost this in our culture sometimes, even in the church sometimes. You know, we talk about, you know, I'm a friend of God, or we'll, you know, we'll kind of have this touchy-feely thing with, you know, our relationship with God. And that's, that's good. He wants to be our Abba Father. But he's God. And we need to have a healthy respect for that. He's God. He was greater. And yes, there will be punishment. And, and tossing aside Jesus, his sacrifice... Tossing aside essentially the covenant that he brought, the new covenant that replaced the old, tossing that away puts you in the hands of the living God. And God can do anything, but that's a place that we need to recognize exists. I don't know what that means. What does that mean for you? What does that mean for me? Ultimately, if you've decided to follow Jesus, the call that the writer's making is endure. There's going to be hardships. Get used to it. There's going to be those, some of you lost loved ones. We just lost a loved one here. There are going to be those moments where it's not going to be happy clappy. And we have to recognize that the writer's calling us to endure because it's worth it. The cross is worth it. It's worth every effort we make. We want to stay faithful to that. We have a privilege and responsibility to endure. And the writer's saying, don't shrink back. That's not who we are. We're not people who shrink back. But we're those who press forward. By faith, in the midst of this difficulty, in the midst of struggle. I don't know what you're facing right now. It could be a financial thing. It could be a relational thing. Maybe the marriage is not working out or you want to get married. And I don't know what it is that you're like, you're having to endure. But if you're in Christ, the call that the writer's making is, is worth it. Your faith is worth it. Endure by faith. God's got something for you. He just, it may not all play out exactly like you want or in the time frame that you want, but that we're called to endure by faith. And so that's the question, right? How are you enduring? Like right now, if you took a temperature of how you feel like you're enduring in faith, where would, where would you sit? Would you say, I'm, I'm showing great faith, or I'm struggling. I don't know, maybe somewhere in the middle. You might find yourself somewhere in the middle where you're, where you're feeling like, I, I don't know, you know, can I trust God through this particular issue that I'm going through? How is your confidence can you remember back to that moment, for, if you're a Christ follower, that moment where you first believed, that moment where you first embraced Jesus? Can you recall that passion? Does your heart beat for the things of God? Are you generous, loving and kind, patient? Those are the things 
that mark a follower of Jesus. And we're called to endure by faith, even when it gets difficult. And one day, we're promised a rest. And I think about Frank. Yesterday, we sang a hymn called Victory in Jesus. It's hard for me to lead it. I was emotional. Victory in Jesus. He's singing that right now. He endured 85 years, did some powerful things. I mean, he touched so many lives, but he is singing victory in Jesus in the arms of Jesus right now. That's powerful stuff. We started yesterday with a hymn called When We All Get to Heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be when we all meet Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. The call to endurance. I think of endurance, it's always going to be for me, Frank. We are called to endure, and there is a rest coming. I don't know how long we all have on this planet. We've got a shelf life. I don't know how long we're all going to be here. But we're called by the writer to endure. Don't shrink back. Have confidence. He's covered us. And so now we are free to move forward his mission of love for as long as we got. Who knows how that long that's going to be. We're called to endure. So we are people, when, when we're tempted to shrink back, we press forward by faith. When we're tempted to shrink back, we press forward by faith. Writer William Lane said this, the constancy of God guarantees that life in pursuit of the promise can never be in vain. We endure. We, 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 we embrace struggle sometimes because we know it's worth it. We have a rest coming. Imagine the day that you and I get to stand face to face to Jesus. And he says, well done. You endured. And you might say, well, I wasn't perfect. He said, I know. I know. But you endured. Well done. Good and faithful servant. That's, that's powerful. Imagine our church family when we finally all cross those, those barriers from this life to, to the next, and we get to embrace in heaven, we were called to endure, not shrink back, but endure because it's worth it. There's a rest coming. The, 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 the things that we're called to do here, to, to love on our city, to love on people, those all matter. Those are kingdom things that will echo for eternity. Well, I don't think we'll ever feel bad about anything we've done in the name of Jesus for people. We are tempted to shrink back, but we're not that. We don't shrink back. We press forward by faith. And we spur one another on toward loving good deeds. And so we encourage each other. This passage talked about not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. That's why these gatherings are important. It's a, it's a call to action. It's a, it's a moment to encourage each other. We have small groups launching pretty soon. We have ministry teams you can jump into. These are ways that we build each other up, encourage and spur one another on. So I encourage you to jump into those. Be part of a ministry team. Be part of a, a small group. But we're a church on mission, bringing his love to the world. So I want to encourage you to engage in that. Engage with me. Engage with us in that. Because it's worth it. We're not those who shrink back. But we are those who press forward by faith. Let's pray together. Father, you're so good and you're so kind and so powerful. And Lord, we struggle sometimes as we're walking through this life of faith. Sometimes we want to shrink back or we want to fail to endure. But Father, you're calling us. The writer here is calling us, compelling us to endure because it's worth it. Father, one day we're going to have that rest. But right now, we endure by faith. We're not those who shrink back, but we press forward 
in faith. And so, Lord, help our gatherings like this be encouragement toward that future. Until you come back, we want to continue your mission of love to our city, our community, and to our world. So, Father, empower us as we engage in your mission. In Jesus' name, amen.